0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: I felt like there was a little children on me. One was sort of gripping at the right side of my mouth and one was pulling at my arm. And then I started to hallucinate, which is quite rare, but it's where the stroke happened. So I just started doing all this really weird hallucinations, and then it just all stopped. Mine was very much emotional, and I had uh, terrible nightmares for weeks. I had these nightmares that were just constant, which I write about in my blog. So I didn't need physio, and I didn't need speech therapy, because I could actually talk. But it felt like... It wasn't my language anymore. But I had to think of every word I wanted to use. Writing my blog has helped me a lot because I want to help other people now and support them in their strokes. And that feeling of loneliness and emptiness afterwards when everyone else goes away is just debilitating. Especially being so young. I mean, I was only in my 30s when I had my stroke. So it was just small goals now. It's completely changed my life. What took me so long, I think, is because I wouldn't talk about it and I had to learn to talk about it and I had to learn to tell strangers. If I'm a bit slurry in my words, I'm not drunk. (laughs) I've had a stroke.
0: Hello, this is Stroke Stories and I'm Mark Goodyear. In the UK, there's a stroke about every five minutes. That's more than 100,000 every year. A stroke doesn't just affect you physically, emotionalism or difficulty controlling emotional responses like crying or laughing is common after stroke, and researchers discovered that one in five people found the emotional effects of the stroke the hardest to deal with. A stroke is often sudden, it can be devastating, and while the health services are amazing with diagnosis and treatment after a stroke, patients often find there aren't enough resources to help them as they recover. So we started Stroke Stories, the podcast, to seek out and to hear from stroke survivors. In this podcast, we hear from Sophie Stewart, a former nurse who suffered a stroke at the age of 38.
1: Before I had my stroke, I was very happy. I was working as a nurse. I was working in a care home doing end-of-life care. I was hoping to try for a baby with my husband and I was going to yoga and I was swimming and I had a lot of energy... And life was good. I felt very positive. And then suddenly one day, it just changed. So what happened to me, basically, my husband and I were going to go for IVF. And then out of that, I had to have a surgical procedure. So I did a pre-assessment, which showed I had a hole in my heart. So it all stopped very quickly. I went to go and see this cardiac doctor and he said, we need to close your hole. It's called an ASD, an atrial septal defect. And people have these, go on to have strokes. If they're not recognised, um, you get born with a hole in your heart. So I had surgery and I had it closed, and everything seemed to be fine. And then from that though, I still had my stroke, and that was on the twenty eighth of December two thousand sixteen. I'd been out walking with my husband. I was supposed to be getting fit and healthy to start IVF, and I just couldn't. I just couldn't catch my breath. I had no breath. It felt, and everything felt really. Hard to be doing, and I had to keep sitting down. And my husband was like, "You're so lazy," and I remember getting very angry. And we got back to my father's house, where we'd been staying for Christmas. And I thought, right, I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. And I went over, and suddenly I just, I'm having a stroke. I'm, I'm. It was confusion. It was just such confusion and disorientation, and my heart was just. Pounding, I felt like there was a little children on me. Who, one was sort of gripping at the right side of my mouth, and one was pulling at my arm. And then I started to hallucinate, which is quite rare, but it's where the stroke happened. So I just started doing all this really weird hallucinations, and then it just all stopped. And my husband and I, stupidly, we took a flight home, which could have killed me. And then the next day I went to the doctors actually I didn't think anything more of it and I said oh I had this really weird experience yesterday and he just stopped what he was doing and said here's a letter you need to go to hospital you need to go to hospital now I think you've had a, a mini stroke a TIA so we went to the hospital and I had an assessment and uh, things didn't go according to plan I suddenly realised that things were wrong in my brain during the assessment she asked what the telephone was and I didn't have a clue I just couldn't understand this and i got very frustrated because i i knew it but i didn't know it and i just went oh well it bleeps it, it makes noises I, I don't know and she said okay let's do a scan so i had a ct scan and then i got called the next day by the doctor saying you need to come in we need to speak to you and they said uh, that i'd had a, a full-on stroke not just the tia and that it was going to take up to about six months to recover from
0: although she suffered what appeared to be a serious stroke Sophie didn't stay in hospital to recover.
1: Firstly, I didn't really want to, (laughs) but I could always walk and I could talk. It felt like English was no longer my first language, though. Mine was very much emotional and I had uh, terrible nightmares for weeks. I had these nightmares that were just constant, which I write about in my blog. So I didn't need physio and I didn't need speech therapy because I could actually talk. But it felt like it wasn't my language anymore. I had to think of every word I wanted to use and I would only occasionally get the word wrong like anybody can suddenly get kerfuffled with their words so it wasn't that much difference and if you looked at me you couldn't tell that I'd had a stroke and I think some of my friends found that hard to deal with. It was all emotionals, confusions. I felt very out of my body. I walked very slowly because I didn't feel like I was in my body so I'd get very frightened. And I got very teary. In fact, in uh, October 2017, I went on a walking holiday with an old group of school friends and university friends, and it was a disaster. (laughs) And it showed me, actually, how ill I had been and that I was still not as good as I wanted to be. And I had terrible depression. The the depression was just mind-boggling, and I felt very alone, very scared. And I was working full-time before the stroke, and now suddenly, here I was, not working... I couldn't do yoga because I couldn't stand up. I had terrible balance. I would just fall over at the drop of a hat and dizziness. And I just felt very alone, very frightened. And it was like a spiritual existential crisis almost. You know, who am I now? I used to be a nurse and now I can't nurse anymore. And I felt like the stroke had taken everything away from me. I didn't know how I was going to get back either. I didn't know how to recover. And I'm still in that process of learning and growing. So it's taken almost two years. I think the problem with me is that because I looked well, apart from the weight gain, and I could talk, I think it was hard for people to understand that actually inside my brain was broken. Just that's how it felt. I felt like I was broken. It's amazing how quickly people forget, actually, how ill you are. You know, initially when the stroke happens, everyone rallies around you. And then it's only afterwards when you're sitting in the house alone, overeating, not being able to work, and your friends move on. A friend of mine asked me, like, a month after, so when you going back to work, and, you know, her face, when I said, well, I've got six months and I don't know if I'll be able to go back to nursing. And she just couldn't understand it. She just couldn't understand... I think it's like any mental health issues, though, because we can't see the brain. We think that you're OK and we think that you're all right when actually inside you're not very well.
0: Despite the emotional difficulties that Sophie encountered, with the help of a friend she was able to work her way through the stroke's after-effects.
1: I think in the first year, I didn't understand how ill I was. And it's only when I went on this walking holiday with my friends when I suddenly realised that I'd gained over two and a half stone of weight, I wasn't working, and that I was very different to my friends. And I felt felt very depressed and I felt broken spiritually as well. It it really did bring about a spiritual crisis inside of me. And I suddenly realised from that walking holiday that I needed to get better and I needed to get well. I have a beautiful friend who's an ex-Marie Curie nurse. And I sat down with her and she said, right, let's set goals. What is the first thing you want to do? And I said, I want to lose this weight. And she said, right, OK, let's do it. And then I said, I think I need to go back to work now and just see if I can do it. And she said, right, OK, well, let's find your part-time job then. So she helped me to set very small, very little goals that I actually had on a piece of paper. And I just slowly... Work towards that and writing my blog has helped me a lot because I want to help other people now and support them and their strokes. And that feeling of loneliness and emptiness afterwards when everyone else goes away is just debilitating, especially being so young. I mean, I was only in my 30s when I had my stroke, so it was just small goals now. It's completely changed my life. And in the beginning, I thought that that was a bad thing and I would never recover. Whereas now, actually, I look at it and and it has changed me, but it's in a good way.
0: As well as the personal goals she set herself to help her recovery, Sophie also started an online blog called Broken and Healed, Stroke at 38.
1: Well, I met a friend, actually, who's a media consultant. I was talking to her and she just said, you have to write this and you have to help people to understand what it's like to have a stroke, what it is to go through. I think people are so frightened by illness, we stay away from people who are sick. And she said, You've just got to write this and and it'll help you. And it's a very cathartic process. And I thought, anything, let's give it a go. Anything to get better, anything to help me move on. I didn't want to be stuck. I call my stroke going down the rabbit hole because of the confusions and the nightmares, not wanting to go outside. The dissociation from my body, the disconnectedness that I felt. And so I wrote this blog to try and show people, my friends as well, what it meant going down this rabbit hole and getting better from the rabbit hole. And that's helped me enormously writing the blog and wanting to support others, really. Because the loneliness that you feel, especially for me again, you know, I keep saying I was so young. And everyone thinks that people have strokes are old and they're in their 70s, you know, and lots of people say to me, oh, bit young, aren't you? (laughs) Bit young. Did you have a real stroke? Was it a real stroke, Sophie, a proper stroke? You just think you don't understand, you don't get it. So writing the blog as well is trying to put it out there and to support others and say you're not alone. There are others out there and we can do it. You know, we survive. When it first happened, a friend said, don't be defined by it. And I wrote back and I was like, I hate the stupid stroke. The stroke has changed my life and it's bad and it's awful. Whereas now it's almost been a spiritual awakening almost for me because it has defined me and it has changed me. And it's made me realise that when I was very, very ill, I meditated on the expression that, you know, with suffering comes compassion. So I'm hoping that I've learnt compassion through my suffering and to support others And it helped heal broken relationships that I'd had in the past. And it helped me just to be in the now and to be happier. It was life-changing. It was painful and it hurt. But I don't regret it having happened to me. I see it as a positive thing that happened. And it does define me, but in a good way. For me, it was a game-changer starting this blog. Reflection is a huge part of going through something and coming to terms with that. Bereavement, and it is a bereavement because for some people who've had strokes, the way of life that they've known has ended and it's over. And what you have to remember though, out of endings come new beginnings. It is it's just this process of recovery. For me, what took me so long, I think, is because I wouldn't talk about it. And I had to learn to talk about it, and I had to learn to tell strangers. If I'm a bit slurring my words, I'm not drunk, (laughs) I've had a stroke. And it's nothing to be embarrassed by. I just felt that I was too young. I was too young to have had the stroke.
0: The emotional fallout of Sophie's stroke was very intense. She had to work her way through a period of depression before she began to feel like herself again. During that time, she discovered a lot about herself and her relationship with others. And she started a blog that continues to inspire and support other stroke survivors to this day. Still to come on this episode of Stroke Stories, Sophie opens up about coming to terms with life after stroke.
1: And I've had to learn to trust my body and I've had to learn that it was just a very, very unfortunate experience and that I just have to trust (laughs) and pray that it won't happen again. You've just got to learn to let go.
0: And she explores whether the stroke changed who she is as a person.
1: When you've lived in the shadows of illness, you come back from that place. You just feel like your eyes have been opened and you just want to be happy and you just want to be around your friends and be around your family and love people, I think.
0: Let's hear how Sophie wanted to get back into work after starting to recover.
1: I tried to go back to nursing, but it just didn't work out for a number of reasons. Um, So I handed in my notice and I just thought, what now? Where do I go from here? And funny enough, a friend got in touch via Facebook and said um, this girl works for a stroke charity called Interact Stroke, which is professional actors going in on stroke wards in hospitals and reading to them. And there's a lot of evidence-based practice of the brain reacting to hearing voices and part of the recovery. So I'm just doing the administration for where I live up in the north. And it's just been eye-opening for me. And I've enjoyed It very much, and uh, the people I work with recognise my limitations as well from the stroke. So I feel very supported by them. And it's just something, it's so great to be part of it. It's just been good to get back out there again. I'm just in a space now where I'm open to anything, and it's created a platform inside of me to just allow things to organically happen. I'm not taking control of anything, just what will be will be.
0: Despite the progress that Sophie has made, she still worries about it happening again.
1: When I had the stroke, I'd read other people's blogs and it's in pretty much every blog that I read that panic attacks happen. And part of the panic attack is I'm going to have another stroke, Uh, especially if you wake up one day and you feel a bit funny. You think this is it. I'm having another stroke. I'm having another stroke. And part of the process is leaving that behind you. I saw a wonderful psychotherapist called Carol Featherston. And she's really helped me through the process of how to deal with panic attacks and how to reset your mind and letting go of those thoughts. But I mean, I've been reassured by my consultant that it will never happen again. And I take medication now and I've had to learn to trust my body. And I've had to learn that it was just a very, very unfortunate experience and that I just have to trust (laughs) and pray that it won't happen again. You've just got to learn to let go.
0: Sophie also initially found it difficult to talk to other people about her stroke.
1: I was too embarrassed. I couldn't believe what had happened to me. And I, for a while, I didn't want to talk about it. And I think that's probably what took me so long in my recovery because I was afraid to talk about it. It was a stupid stroke in my brain. I didn't want to accept it. So if I went to a support group, that was me having to accept that I'd had a stroke and it took me a long time to accept my stroke and to say the words and to own it. So, no, I didn't go looking, and I didn't want to talk about it, whereas now all I want to do is talk about it (laughs) because it's changed me in such a good way. It's been a very spiritual experience. I think when I was told that I was very lucky to still be here, my first thoughts was, I haven't seen enough of the world. I want to go see the world, so I'd love to travel and just do that. When you've lived in the shadows of illness, you come back from that place. You just feel like your eyes have been opened and you just want to be happy. And you just want to be around your friends and be around your family and love people, I think. I think I'm definitely more at peace with things. I think before the stroke, I was trying to control everything, which is basically what humans do, don't we? <laughs> um So I think I'm just in a, in a space where I'm just letting things organically happen and that's okay I think it's okay to be in a place of just peacefulness I think maybe that's that is my plan not to have a plan and it's okay not to have a plan there's probably a more spiritual safety that's come out of this an understanding of suffering and that through suffering comes compassion and connection to others seeing other people now I don't know how good I was at that beforehand i mean i was a nurse i'd like to think i gave good compassionate care but this has just been a, a game changer
0: finally sophie explains that although recovery might be hard there is always a light at the end of the tunnel
1: if you are going through this stroke don't be afraid of it and buy it the emotional changes after stroke are huge it's okay to cry you will cry For me, I felt very separated from my body and it's slightly different this. I felt like there was Sophie in the brain, so there was Sophie as me and then my brain. So in the beginning when I cried, I felt like it was my brain that would cry and I wish I hadn't been so frightened by that and I wish I could just allowed it to to wash over me and not to be afraid of the sleep. You sleep so much after stroke. It's called post-stroke fatigue and I was so frustrated about this and I just wish that I'd allowed it to sleep and to recognise that they are road repair sleeps it's your brain repairing itself so don't be afraid I think, don't be afraid of the symptoms and give yourself time to trust yourself again I think you feel very let down by your body and you feel very angry, why has this happened to me, what have I done to deserve this but again that's part of the grieving process, whereas now I've learnt to go well, I'm a human being, we all suffer, why not me? So just give yourself time. If this podcast had been out when I'd had my stroke, I would have listened to this with hunger. You know, who are these people? It's just this feeling of emptiness and loneliness. Anything to help take away that from a stroke sufferer and to give support, you know, you will recover. You will. You've just got to trust your body, give it time, take your medication do your exercises and go through a grieving process as well. It's okay to grieve for yourself and what's happened to you and it's life-changing and it's devastating. Um, and you can't just pick yourself up and say, oh, well, you know, yesterday I had a stroke, but I've gone back to work now and everything's fine. You have to go through this process. And I want other stroke sufferers to understand that it's okay to, to grieve for yourself and it's okay to talk about it, to help you move on from it and to truly heal. And for the friends out there, who have friends who've had strokes they will be changed for a short time and they will be grieving and they will be angry don't try and fix them don't try and heal them don't try and send them back to work let them talk about it let them talk about what's happened to them it's a process of healing and everybody comes to terms with things in their own time go see them have a cup of tea and then leave and let them sleep and let them cry and don't be afraid by the stroke I think that's the main thing.
0: Sophie refuses to let the stroke rule her life and instead uses the experience to better herself and to help others come to terms with their stroke. If you're listening to this podcast and have had a stroke or somebody close to you has and you'd like to learn more, search for The Stroke Association online. And for a dedicated web page, search for NHS Strokes. If you're listening to our podcast on iTunes, please subscribe to the series and rate and comment because that helps us spread the word. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening.